Welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast, a production from Empowering Pumps and Equipment as the voice of the pump and related equipment industry. and welcome to the Empowering Industry Podcast. I'm your host, Charlie Matthews, and I've had such a great week. I have been able to interview a lot of people this week, but I am super excited to bring you Holly, a friend of mine, a leader in the space. And I just, I want you to stay involved for a while during this podcast. You're going to learn a lot. You're going to hear some inspiration. And if you can find a friend in the industry like Holly, you have won. And that's what I feel like. So Holly, I'll let you introduce yourself. Thanks for being here. Oh, Charlie, I am so honored and, and so humbled to be a part of this. And just that when you asked, it was an immediate yes, because you are, you yourself are so influential. So hi, I'm Holly Montrose. I am the VP of sales here at ABB for HVAC channel. I have had a very, very quick upbringing in the, the ABB organization, but I've learned a lot. And uh, I think that that's where Charlie's leadership and guidance and, and friendship has been so important and valuable, kind of just learning how to be part of the industry again after my short break. So, yeah. Well, thank fun. you for saying that. And um, <laughs> I, I love um, any time that there is women in management. So this is a new position for you as VP. You did, um, I, I don't want to say fight because it was. It seems like it's so easy, but you made your way up this ladder pretty quickly. And I think that's that's part of your grit and resilience. But how did you get into this industry? Yeah, so this is a crazy story. Um, and I promise I won't I won't make this all about my story, but oh, it's so about you, Holly. This is what <laughs> this is what this is about. So dive in. Well, if there's one thing I always tell, I, I feel so lucky now as I progress in my career and, and find more spaces to talk to young professionals and more importantly to me, young female professionals. Um, one of the things I wish I could tell young Holly is that your degree does not define your path um, and you'll find ways to use it in ways that you've never expected to. So for reference, my background is actually in chemistry. Um, I have a minor in business administration and I was working towards a, a very useful minor in French. And um, out of college, I graduated while still working for a lab in Portland, Oregon as a chemist and kind of progressed through them and, and got really fun opportunities to do research and development and quality control. Um, but I was ultimately cherry picked off by Intel. And I have a, a long legacy there. My father was there. My sister is, was there. And my family has been an Intel family for quite some time. And so when the opportunity came, it just felt like a really great opportunity to join the Intel family. Um, however, I learned in that time that not every opportunity is created equal within an organization. Because of my technical background, I was placed in the fab silicon wafer manufacturing. I got to wear one of those fabulous bunny suits, the head to toe garb in the clean room. Um, however, I worked compressed work weeks and nights. And, you know, for a, a newly fresh graduate out of college, the money they were offering for those compressed work weeks and the opportunity to work for a brand like Intel, you best believe I was here for everything about it. But I have discovered in myself that I get bored if I'm not being challenged. And um, I felt in my space, in my role, because I was constantly alone that I was a glorified babysitter sitting in a clean room with those lovely ultraviolet lights for extended periods of time. And it was 
really just ruining my spirit. It was the first time I could actually genuinely acknowledge that I needed to be with people. So I spent two years there. I stuck it out. I tried some other development programs, but the reality is, is once you're in one of the technical roles like that, it's really hard to leave. It is very easy to transition if you're in one of the more engineering roles outside of the fab. So with that, I had a conversation with my boyfriend, now husband at the time, and just had a little bit of a meltdown. I had a little identity crisis. I didn't know what I was doing anymore. I didn't know who I was anymore. And he had made this very abrupt suggestion that, hey, our one of our great friends from college had just posted a technical sales job. It's like, you're great with people. Why don't you call him? So we had a quick chat. I was like, just send me some information. I'd love to know more about it. And he goes, no, just send me your resume. And that was my foot into this world of HVAC that I now live in. And I walked into the interview. I had an incredible experience with a VP. And he said something to me that day that has stuck with me my entire career, which is he doesn't hire experience. He hires people. He's like, it's very clear that you can learn. You're eager. You can talk to people. That's stuff that you can't teach. It's like, I can teach you product. So I started at Franklin Controls. It was Saris Industrial at the time. And I was filling in an open position for HVAC Regional Sales Manager. And it was a learning curve. They're really, because it was a smaller organization and it had just been purchased by a larger entity, really was no structural training in there. So my training became hanging out with the application engineers that at one point tried to hire me um, because I was just, I was so engaged in trying to learn and solve problems that it became, again, part of my existence within the organization. So I spent about five years at Franklin. And in that five years, I had what I didn't realize an incredible opportunity at the time. At the time, to me, it felt like the territory I was given was what we actually joked about later the scrapyard. It was really, really small markets, but it was a lot of them. So I was making trips to Mississippi and Iowa and Nebraska um, while my colleagues were heading off to Miami and Orlando and New York City. And I'm, you know, hanging out in Cleveland. Um, I love that. I'm so glad you said Mississippi <laughs> instead of Alabama. We always I, joke about that. I loved going to Mississippi. In fact, I still have one of my fondest memories of a customer or channel partner of ours. Um, and he is from Oxford, Mississippi. Just a great, great soul of a human. But uh, I learned that that was a great footprint to network, to learn, to really educate myself on the way that markets are different. And it's something that you don't really have an opportunity to get educated on when you're coming up in industry. It's learn by fire, trial by error. And every single market is a very different space. And so one size does not fit all when we're looking for partners. And I got to learn that firsthand. So I was moved into a new role at the end of 2016. Um, they created a new role for me because I was, I was doing so well um, that they had put me in charge of basically bringing on a new customer, but I also had to make sure that we were capable of supporting the customer. I have a dog in here as well. Well, unfortunately or fortunately, however you want to look at it, um, my husband now was offered a, an opportunity to move back to where he's from, which is Michigan. 
And this organization that had reached out had checked every box that we had ever put into place of what it would take to uproot our lives. Mm -hmm. So we did. At the same time, I was pregnant with our first child. And it just seemed like one of those stars aligned opportunities. Unfortunately, um, after months of deliberation and gate checking and getting approvals to take this role with me and be remote, it ultimately just got rejected. So I left the industry and I genuinely was fearful that I was never going to find my way back in. And again, naive because it's hard. You know, you, you have to kind of claw sometimes when you're with the little guy and you don't really understand fully your impact until someone reminds you of it. So fast forward, I had a couple odd jobs. I got to spend some time selling wine, which I'm very passionate about. My chemistry background loves it. And of course, my wine connoisseur ship loves it as well. So I got to do wine dinners and pairings and that was fun while it lasted. And then I was headhunted again. Did you know I was that? By say, Holly, I was going to say, it's because you're social. Like there's, there's elements you got to use yeah. your social uh, background and in interacting with people so much during that time. And you know, what's interesting about the wine time, I call it the wine time for the record, <laughs> is I found so much opportunity to use my technical background to explain things. And it was exciting for people. I would explain why I would make choices about certain wines with certain foods and certain um, snacks, like just little things like that. And people were like, oh my gosh, I never thought of it that way. And that's the drive that I was missing, honestly. I love the people, I miss the people, but I also loved the influence and impact that previous roles had given me. So I was headhunted again by another uh, company out of Minnesota to be a technical salesperson. And uh, not necessarily the same space, but that organization actually did play in HVAC in a different capacity. And I spent about, gosh, was it a year or two there? And um, it was a year. It was a year until, sorry, that's a dog back there. Um, It was a year until what I did not think I had showed up unexpectedly. And I had a message from Mr. Paul Bartunek, the former VP of sales at ABB. And it was one of those, hey, hope everything's going great for you. I know it's been a while. I was curious. And he thought about coming back to BFDs and HVAC. And it was, I did not know how much I needed that until it happened. And I was trying to play coy. I'm like, oh, do you have an opportunity for me? Do you have something you want to discuss? And so we had a conversation and within the week I had an offer and um, that became my trajectory of an incredibly fast upbringing in this organization. I was brought on to be the Western regional sales manager. Um, We had three territories and then by November of that year, so that was in 2020, by November, I was appointed as the director of a five territory format. And then by March 1st this year, so 2022 um, or 2023, I became VP. And um, while timing has a lot to do with things, I took the opportunity because of the, as everyone, like the proverbial fire hose to learn, to insert, to add value in every single place that I possibly could and to also impact change. I noticed there was a lot of things that People were so accustomed to saying, well, that's just how we've always done it, that I could insert little little micro changes and and encourage different types of behaviors um, that I created a community that ultimately respected me 
respected what I had to bring to the table, but ultimately I was brought in to actually do my job for the first time in my entire career. So that's a, that's my crazy little story. Well, I want to say, you know, as you were telling your story, I remember you going to a VP that gave you a chance and said to you about, you know, I'm hiring you because of who you are, not because of all these experience or, or your resume. It's because of who you are. And I know that you're going to be successful in this role. And I think that that's what you do for other people on your team. And that is why you're able to move up so quickly. I've seen it in action. I have um, watched you. And I mean, of course, I'm not working with you every day, but I have seen yeah. you in conversations. Um, and, and, and really, I think that the leader has to have that. And especially in sales where you in such a big territory, I think you dropped a lot of nuggets there. So I hope people paid attention to that as far as how you grow and the, the um, territories that you need to be in for growth and, and the opportunities, depending on where you are and what you're doing. Uh, but I think, you know, what is it like to be a young female leader, if you will? Um, and you're really teaching yourself on the, on the go, right? Yeah. So, yeah. so what do you think led to your success in that role? Um, I would say first and foremost, I had to have a different level of tenacity, I think, than some of my colleagues. I, it's interesting when I started college, I went into school to be a chemical engineer. Um, and it was the first time that I had really been, I felt, and, and I don't mean to make this sound in any negative way, but it was the first time I felt a little alienated for who I was. You know, it, it was the hardest major on campus. And here I was this, you know, young girl coming in as one of the dancers on the dance team and in a sorority. And I just, I didn't fit the bill. And so I actually had an engagement with someone, this weird interaction one day where someone openly said, oh, I've always just assumed you were an airhead. And it had, it changed. Yeah. I was like, oh, great. Um, glad I stopped to have a conversation with you. But it actually changed the way that I approached just my, my style. I have spent so much of my time trying to fit what I thought people wanted from me. And I think that that's a very common behavior for, for young women in industry or just young professionals in general, probably more so for some women, just because we have a different set of requirements that aren't written. Um, Yeah. Well, I was going to say too, that, you know, you have, you have such a, a, a competitive spirit, if you will. Uh, I know this because you just kind of slid out. I was a dancer, like, but she was a competitive dancer, a really great dancer. So that competitive streak and like proving and that perfection um, is always in there, right? That we not, but that's not what drives you. It's more that competitive of, of improving, right? Right. And I also think that you, you bring a good point that I don't think about enough. Um, you know, I think our society, unfortunately, has pegged a narrative for the underdogs and what that looks like, who they are, and not necessarily the underdogs, but the unexpected. You know, I did spend a good portion of my life in dance. I was a competitive dancer. I was a professional dancer for a while um, because it was a passion. And I think that there's a difference between passion and just, you know, an activity and it was my life. It was my outlet. And I believe that everyone needs to have a passion, an outlet to truly be themselves in their space. 
And it, it almost felt like there were times where people would almost look down on me because I was a professional dancer. When I was working at Intel, I was dancing professionally and I actually had a manager eye roll one time when I had submitted time off because I had a performance and they're like, you're going to take, you're going to use vacation for a hobby. Like, isn't jet skiing a hobby and people do it all the time, but it's not a hobby. It's my passion. It's my love. And it's the only thing that actually really keeps me grounded because if I got stuck here every day and didn't have an outlet, I think I would probably have breakdowns. Um, not saying that there weren't at some point. Well, also but, like the activity, right? The activity ooh. of saying like the doing the same thing um, yeah. regularly, you needed a creative outlet. And so yes. I think that's so important that people do that. Um, depending on your job situation, um, right. we we definitely have to take our passions to work. And if we yes. can't, yeah. we have to do it outside of work. Mm -hmm. Well, and, that, and that's a wonderful segue because I think that's something that has also taught me. I mean, that has molded the way that I became a leader. I grew up dancing as my, my passion, my hobby, but then I became an instructor and I started with middle school girls. And for anyone listening who has ever been a middle school girl, you know, the initial reaction that you have when you hear that you're like, Oh, oh middle school girls are mean and they're going to be really difficult. And I actually had a very different experience because at that age, they're very pliable. They're sponges. They want to learn. They want you to tell them how to be better and do better. Or they just want your approval in the sweetest way. Sometimes it's just, look at what I'm wearing today. And I quickly learned that your approach to talking with not only children, but just people in general, it's again, it's not the one size fits all. And through many, many trial and errors and, and learning as a young coach of kids and going into high school, the high school space, which was absolutely bonkers also. Um, and studio and high school dance, those are very different worlds. It really gave me a, a forum to practice leadership, to educate myself on communication, not only to the kids, the dancers, but to the parents. And I think that that has really shaped how I communicate as a leader or just as a contributor. Um, you know, one of the things that I've, I've vocalized before is there was a conversation that we had when I was in my director role. And we were having a very hard time getting answers and information for pertinent projects that were just sitting waiting. And I'm sure everyone in the industry has been through those moments where you can't sit around and wait. I understand that it's not the way things have always been done, but unfortunately we have to, res we have to provide solution and answers. And um, through our, my discussion with some colleagues, including my boss, you know, it was thrown out. We just need to go in and crack skulls. I'm like, mm, when has that ever worked for anyone? I mean, don't get me wrong there. I'm the kid that if I'm running, I need someone yelling at me to run faster. That's fine. Um, but if I'm in my space of my career, my position of, of my responsibility, and someone comes and tells me that I'm an idiot and not doing my job right, I'm not motivated. I'm probably crying in the bathroom and then looking for other jobs. So, I mean, it, it's taught me so much that I didn't really understand it. It's amazing how life kind of teaches you things without you ever realizing it until you use it. And then you're like, ah, oh. Well, yeah. Well, sense. I think that's also part of, you know, showing up as yourself. Absolutely. Knowing that you want to be a leader, knowing that you have all these different parts of you. I think you mentioned this a little earlier about like, okay, this is what your degree was in. Well, that doesn't mean that you have to stay in that right. forever. 
And I think that we really do need to continue to stress that. So people, yeah. you know, we need people from all different industries to come Absolutely. on board. Well, and that's funny. So in, in our industry, you know, technical is a big part of what we do, especially if you're doing technical sales. Um, but technical sales doesn't mean some arbitrary engineering degree. Um, it also doesn't mean it's the only tool you need in your bag. You know, for me, I, I saw my background in chemistry and learning, uh, earning a science background. I had a different a skill set of problem solving. And it really helped me learn how to sell my product because what we're doing is we're solving problems. We're providing solutions. And not like using any of my organic chemistry helped me, but it was through the process of problem solving and understanding how to work through a problem and provide a solution or an answer or, or something. Um, that's where the significance came from. Now, if you have experience in that, that needs to be vocalized because experience in problem solving and working through problems at that level is far more important than a fancy title of a degree. I think that there is a lot of value in educations and, and I would never attest to that or disagree with it. However, I think how we use it is what's valuable, what we took from it. Again, just because I have on my bachelor's of science, it says chemistry next to it, it means anything to what I do today, um, but it does. It really does. It has little bits and pieces that kind of molded and formed and created who I am. Yeah. I love that part about problem solving. There's so many times that that comes up for me uh, because I always wonder, you know, you're saturated in the engineering space a lot and you're like, why didn't I even try? I mean, first of all, I didn't even know it was an option for us. Uh, there's so many, you know, categories. I mean, I went, oh, finance, that sounds like money. Okay. I'll do that. Uh, but there's, there's so many other opportunities. And so anyway, I'll just say that, you know, with, when we're in this space, we have to know that we have value and we have to know that, um, yes, we are problem solvers and there's yeah. so many other things we can do besides, uh, what is listed on that resume for one. But if you are, so Holly is, um, you know, VP level now she hires people. I'm assuming you have this yes. team that you get to influence. Yes, I do. So, so keep that in mind when you're filling out your resumes that problem solver is something that might need to be there, right? Like right. look, look for the, I guess, real case, yeah. uh, use. applicable experiences. It's the problem solving. It's the solution providing, um, here's, and I'm glad that you brought that up. Cause I am, I'm currently in, on the hunt right now for a North central regional sales manager. Um, and when we're going through this process with our recruiting team, because you know we're fortunate enough to have a recruiting team, they ask questions, but then they they narrow it down and they ask you for like the key indicators that the machine's going to spit out. And they go, listen, I'm not looking necessarily for someone with an engineering title. I'm looking for someone that has experience in the HVAC space, someone that has experience with problem solving, someone that has experience with people. You know, again, products can be sold, but if you have relationships, you have experiences that can, you are providing value in those spaces, that's what's important. And again, I actually have been told this so many times and, and I love it and I also hate it because it also gives me like this, I'm, I'm not there yet um, because I am so young in my career and to take on this role, you know, most of the people I know in, in the VP role have just years of relationships that they've established and connections beyond belief and I'm still building mine and um, 
I'm so fortunate that I've had this incredible network of, of individuals who have really brought me in and supported me. You know, like I mentioned, when Paul hired me to be this role, to just be the regional sales manager, I'll never forget the first time I brought something to him. And I'm like, hey, here's what's going on. He's like, okay, well, what do you want to do? I was like, well, I want to do this. He's like, all right, so why are you talking to me about this? I was like, ah, right. That's my job. But it was because decisions now. Thank you. I can make my own decisions. I don't need someone's approval to do my job. Um, But that was, you know, that's all because of the relationship that I had built with him prior. And I'm still working on that. I'm so fortunate to have all these wonderful opportunities. But I mean, that's another nugget of advice more so than anything, like find opportunities just to make friends in the industry, you know, get to know people. We are a very large, small family. And when you get to know people, you also start to understand how you can help each other. You can learn from each other. Um, But more importantly, you have supports, you have a soundboard, you have people that you can go to. When I was going up for this VP role, um, very, very, like I was very hush hush about a lot of it at the very beginning, because I was trying not to talk myself out of it. And that's a whole nother story about the, the conversation I had with myself before I even submitted for director. But going into this, I knew that this was next level. And I needed to have a resume that reflected an executive position. I needed to be coached on how to interview for something like this, because it is a different level. And I was so fortunate to have a couple of, of friends in the industry where I called them. I'm like, hey, listen, here's what's happening. And I would really use some advice. And the level of advice and support and commitment to ensuring that I was the best candidate, aside from me doing what I do. They helped just round out all the rough edges that I I still had, because again, I am still new in my career, younger in my career, I should say, I guess. I've been here for, I don't know, 14 years, 15, 12 years, I don't know, something like that. Past a decade, so we'll go there. Um, But those relationships are so valuable. You can't put a price tag on that. And you, those are just relationships that I had naturally made. Well, um, and building, building relationships, it will help you in any career, um, yes, absolutely. sales, absolutely. You need to know how to build relationships, but really in any field you have right. to be able, and, and we say networking a lot, but, um, yeah. I was just at a conference and really need to build relationships, like yeah. go into the room and say, like, I'm going to get to know somebody really, really good. Right. Maybe three people out of this yeah. hundred people, um, so I want to, I want to do a little bit of rapid fire with you, but I want to first kind of give you the floor. Is there anything else that you want to tell our listeners? The one thing that, again, this is another story for another time, but don't assume that you're not ready for an opportunity. Don't, don't make excuses and don't count yourself out. Don't start checking boxes that you don't fill that you don't know you fill. Because if I would have listened to that voice inside my head, Back in, in 2020, I would never have put my name in for director and I wouldn't be here today. Um, there's a lot more value that is underneath that we sometimes as individuals have a hard time identifying. So never assume, never count yourself out. If anything, what's the worst that can happen? They tell you no. Okay. Well, we you talk about this a lot about how um, men are... Uh, promoted based on potential and women kind of have to prove themselves. That's not true. You have Mm -hmm. the potential as well, right? You need to believe in yourself, whether it's on the resume or not. So um, just to kind of confirm that, and I guess a little advice for our women out there, 
um, that are listening that, you know, you know, believe in yourself and believe in yeah. your potential and, and, and say yes to those opportunities for sure. Absolutely. Okay. Holly, tell us what, uh, what is your favorite book? Ooh. Okay. Uh, it's a book that I read long, long, long time ago. It's the many lives and secret sorrows of Josephine B. Um, okay. it is a memoir esque novel, um, from the perspective of Josephine Bonaparte during the French revolution. Uh, and it's actually a book that got me really re-engaged with reading that I'll, I'll suggest it to anyone, whether they're in their 60s or they're 16. It's my favorite. So go read it. I'm sure many of you have never heard of it. I can't wait. I can't wait. Um, okay. So also, I'd like you, and this is going to be really hard for you because the dancer in you Ooh. and all of the music, but what is your favorite song, band, okay. jam? Band is easy. Um, for me, I, and it might surprise people, I love Panic at the Disco, Brennan Yuri. I have been obsessed with them since they came on the scene when I was like 15 or 16. Um, I just love their creative lyric style. I just love everything about them. But my favorite song, ooh, I think I would have to go with one that is like one of those sing in the car, sing in the car, sing in the shower kind of things, probably Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh, love it. Oh my goodness. Okay. So I love like these. Freddie Mercury. Yeah. Well, I just love um, getting to know, these are kind of some questions I ask on here because it just kind of yeah. gets to know you a little bit better. Um, this is, um, what advice, what is the best advice that you have ever received from someone else? Oh, there's a lot. Um, I think more recently it's been said to me more often than not, don't be afraid to be you. It that's seems it. so obvious, but that's, that's right. <laughs> don't, don't be afraid to be you. I love that. And if you, I mean, it seems like the same advice that you would give, but I'm going to stretch you just a little bit. Um, what advice do you give to other people? Um, there's a couple of them that I, I, I stick to pretty adamantly. Um, I, kind of in the same realm, but it, it resonates a little bit differently. Um, don't, don't be afraid to be the challenger by, again, being you. Sometimes even just having a softer approach throws people off. So challenge things. It doesn't have to be argumentative um, or defensive, but challenging people asking questions or suggesting other avenues to take, it really makes people stop and think. So that's one of them. And then the other piece is never pass up an opportunity to interview. Um, even if you have no intentions of leaving your organization, the best part about interviews is that it's a quick reminder of all the wonderful things you've done in your career. I love that so much. Oh, that that's probably the best thing I've heard all day. <laughs> uh, we all need a highlight reel. Uh, I learned that in my leadership yes. training and I tell yes. people that all the time. So I love that advice interview. So you can remember your highlights. Okay. Well, Holly, thank you. I, you know, I can talk to you all day long, uh, but I'll let you get back to you, what you do. And um, if anybody wants to talk to you or reach out to you, Holly, what's the best way for them to get in Yeah. Touch? So reach out to me on LinkedIn, um, Holly Montrose. I'm pretty easy to find. I think I'm one, one of three, or you're, you're welcome to reach out to me at, on my, my, or my work email at holly.montrose at us.abb.com. Awesome. LinkedIn is always a quick way to get to me. Yes. And I'll put that in the show notes, Holly. So um, thank you so much for everything and 
everybody share this episode. I think it's so inspiring. I know there's a lot of people who um, just need to be encouraged uh, that are maybe looking for a career. If there's anybody in HVAC, definitely share it to them. Uh, like and subscribe the pod- on the podcast so it shows up into your feed. And then I guess, you know, the last thing is just until next time, be yeah, empowering. Yeah.